Hey there, and welcome to show number four of our sepsis multicast. So far, we've looked at early goal-directed therapy, Jones lactate clearance, the newer trials, Process Promise Arise. We've done a little bit of blood utilization, and so we're getting closer and closer to modern times. So now we're going to look at CMS metrics associated with sepsis, the new sepsis 3.0 definitions, and how to measure fluid responsiveness. Interestingly, after the new trials were released, NQF and CMS decided that they would release core measures that went into effect October of 2015, and they're very important to hospital systems around the U.S. because they're tied to reimbursement. So what have they proposed? First off, definitions to severe sepsis and septic shock. They include what you'd expect, lactates and hypotension, despite initial fluid bolus. They also include a rough definition of severe sepsis as sepsis plus any organ dysfunction and give some options such as creatinine, bilirubin, platelet count, coagulopathy, or lactate. Core measures that everyone agrees on includes the three-hour bundle of fluids, lactate, early broad antibiotics, and blood cultures. It gets interesting when you start looking at their proposed measures for patients in the severe sepsis or septic shock category. To meet the requirements, they required two of the following four to be measured, CVP, SCVO2, dynamic assessment of fluid responsiveness with passive leg raise or fluid challenge, or focused physical exam. The items that they'll be looking at on the focused physical exam include vital signs, cardiopulmonary assessment, cap refill, pulse, and skin findings. So basically they're saying run early goal-directed therapy or do some arbitrary measures of fluid responsiveness. The early goal-directed therapy people in our group are not so secretly happy about this because it's made it much easier just to run early goal-directed therapy based on these core measures. Have you ever tried to do a passive leg raise on most of our patients? It may not be realistic. Yeah, they make it easier to just run early goal-directed therapy, basically. There has been a lot of angst surrounding these after they were released, especially the timing on the heels of the newer trials that suggest CVP and SCVO2 monitoring may be less important. What should the average provider do with these mandates? In our shop, we've decided to do the following. The average septic shock patient will still be getting a central line for pressors, and you might as well run a CVP and SCVO2 to meet those CMS mandates. What you do with that information can still be up to you whether you follow it strictly according to early goal-directed therapy or mindfully deviate. If we all agree on the septic shock patient, then we're back to our most talked-about patient, the severe sepsis, normotensive, lactate-greater-than-4 patient. What is the best management of this patient in regards to the CMS core measures mandate? I think you need to decide for yourself. How does the patient look clinically? Are they someone who's on the cusp of septic shock breathing 35 times a minute, and it's just a matter of time before they manifest their hypotension, I think all of us would put that patient in the unit and either immediately start some form of resuscitation, be it early goal-directed therapy or some other form of usual care. What about the patient that doesn't look as bad clinically? If they look okay, then I would strongly consider putting them on the wards and following them via bedside reevaluation, but the key being frequent reassessment. As we alluded to, a lot of our institutions' lactates are drawn pre-initial fluid bolus, which is different than all the trials we've discussed. That lactate may give you some risk-stratifying idea of how sick the patient was on initial presentation, but it doesn't tell you what interventions they need. We quite often admit them to the floor if normotensive and repeat the lactate once the initial fluid bolus has been given. The CMS mandates makes admitting a patient with a true lactate greater than 4 
after fluids a little bit more cumbersome from a documentation standpoint. You essentially need to ultrasound them while giving a fluid challenge because passive leg raise is simply not realistic, especially on the floor and the average American patient. If you just walk around to all your patients and try to hold their legs up in the air yourself, that is very unrealistic to ask people to do. But there's been some recent posts out there in the online medical community that have shown me a different way where you can essentially kind of rapidly lower the patient's bed down to where their head's down, but their legs are still up, utilizing the bed to essentially create a passive leg raise. So that's an option. In addition to that, you need to do a bedside examination. And are you really going to remember to do that for every patient? That seems hard to fit into our already very busy workflow. I think it comes back to what may be the unsaid underlying theme of the new trials and rivers when looked at collectively. Maybe it's not what therapeutic targets we choose in our septic patients, but it's about the periodic reevaluation, that frequent reassessment. Further interventions should be administered when the patient changes clinically. If I truly believe that principle, which I do, then I should be reevaluating my septic patients anyways, regardless if they're running this autopilot early goal-directed therapy. The extra documentation for CMS is just something that we're going to have to operationalize. Providers always hate when governing bodies mandate things, which the longer I practice, the more I understand that sentiment. The theme of this series may be what you just said. These measures probably aren't meant for the sepsis consultant with a large percentage of their practice as septic patients, but to give some basic guidance to the average provider at the community hospital that needs some goals and targets. Let's move on to another controversial topic. Oh, wait, every one of these has been controversial. (laughs) (laughs) Must be another theme in sepsis. Anyway, let's talk about the new sepsis 3.0 definitions that just came out at SCCM January of 2016. A group of sepsis experts from ESICM and SCCM got together and redefined sepsis for the first time since 2002. And if you remember before that, it was 1991. They felt it had been far too long since we had looked at the definitions of sepsis. They actually changed quite a lot. The short version is SERS criteria is out, QSOFA and SOFA are in. Severe sepsis is entirely out as a category. John, I'm pretty sure you meant criteria not definitions. Yeah, I guess you're right. Semantics. (laughs) That leaves us with just sepsis and septic shock for the sepsis 3.0 definitions. Ooh, that's so nice and clean. Yes. Sepsis is now suspected infection plus Q-SOFA positive, which is just two out of the following. Respiratory rate greater than 22, altered mental status, or systolic blood pressure less than 100. Hats off to your septic patients, folks because the new definition is the HAT score. That's hypotension, altered mental status, and tachypnea. Seems simple enough. It is. And remember that people have been complaining about SERS criteria for a long time. It's certainly overly sensitive, but it does catch a lot of patients who would otherwise transition along the spectrum of sepsis without being noticed at all. A lot of hospital systems, including ours, have operationalized SERS into EMR for alerts. These alerts will tell providers and nurses that their patient might be becoming septic. In our system, this triggers a call from the nurse to the stat team and a potential intervention by the sepsis team. 
We feel this has greatly reduced the amount of patients who develop septic shock by treating them properly and avoiding them getting there in the first place. At our large hospital system, in the first month of implementing this into EMR, our poor stat team received 1,200 potential septic calls at just one hospital, just to give you an idea about the oversensitivity of SERS criteria. Wow. We have since steadily refined the EMR alerts, and that call burden has steadily gone down. The Sepsis 3.0 committee promises that QSOFA is just as sensitive and more specific than SIRS, but they recommend incorporating QSOFA into your existing structure of defining sepsis at your institution. A recent article came out in ATS by Chirpak in September of 2016, looking at the QSOFA score proposed by Sepsis 3.0 versus other early warning scores of clinical deterioration that included MUSE, SIRS, and NEWS. The study looked at over 30,000 patients in the ED and wards at the University of Chicago. They retrospectively analyzed the EMR to calculate all four of these scores, and then they compared them in terms of in-hospital mortality and ICU admission. MUSE, or Modified Early Warning Score, has been used within our hospital system with good results for many years. NEWS is a newer score similar to MUSE. The protocol at our current hospital is for STAT team to evaluate any patient that has an elevated MUSE and to call the provider if they feel an intervention is necessary. MUSE includes respiratory rate, heart rate, systolic blood pressure, urine output, temperature, and mental status. So what did Chirpec find when comparing these scores? MUSE and NEWS were superior to QSOFA and SIRS at predicting mortality or ICU admission. SIRS and QSOFA performed similarly. The discussion in the Free Open Access Medical Education, or FOAM, community, even before this article, was a concern that while QSOFA was significantly more specific than SIRS, it was not sensitive enough and perhaps it would defeat the purpose of an early warning score. So those people who balked at the oversensitivity of SIRS, we're starting to maybe come back around to wanting it back. We've debated this a good bit in our practice, and the consensus being that if SIRS is used properly, it's okay that it's too sensitive. For an early warning system, we'd much rather feel confident that no septic patients are going to slip through the cracks. Will we have to evaluate patients for sepsis who have something else entirely and don't need all that aggressive treatment? Absolutely. And I think that's probably the trade-off that we're going to have to be willing to make to keep our sepsis mortality rates low. I truly think that is the best answer for now. I think we should continue to use our current sepsis alerts in our EMR based on MUSE and SIRS so we don't miss any patients, yet begin to apply QSOFA to our practice and begin to see where it might make a difference. If you read the sepsis 3.0 papers, one of the things that they mention several times is that it's been too long since the revision of the sepsis definitions, 2001 to be exact. They feel that they should be refined on a much more frequent basis. Perhaps the new definition should be viewed as just a step in the right direction and highlighted that we need to continue to challenge definitions both new and old. I suspect these will be revised much more quickly than 15 years it took last time. The patient paradigm that we keep discussing in this podcast series with this sepsis, normotensive, lactate greater than 4, it's been left out in the cold in these new definitions. They're only considered septic, but not in shock. There's no indication that we should treat them differently according to SEP 3.0. It's important to note the sepsis 3.0 definition committee stuck to just redefining the sepsis definitions. They did not yet discuss any management changes that may change based on the new definitions. 
Surviving Steps is in the midst of coming out with new guidelines, and as soon as that comes out, we're going to address that in a future episode. Moving on, another thing to consider is that the CMS core measures that we spent so much time discussing came out just before these definitions. But the CMS core measures are based on the old definitions of sepsis, and they make significant considerations for the patient we keep talking about, severe sepsis normotensive lactate greater than 4. The message from our sepsis committee to the system has been to continue to use the old definitions while CMS core measures are still based upon them. I worry if it takes years for CMS and NQF to change their core measures, then we'll still be using outdated definitions for many years down the road. A bigger nightmare for the provider would be having to use both definitions concurrently, one to guide their actual practice and one for CMS. Yikes. Perhaps after the new surviving sepsis guidelines, if they fully adopt SEP 3.0 definitions, then you'll see some quicker movement out of NQF and CMS to adjust their core measures. Or maybe not. We'll see. Until next time, keep breathing, keep streaming, and keep reading. <laughs>